we the people of the United States to form a more perfect union, secure the blessings of liberty, establish the Constitution. Hello, friends, and welcome to We the People Show. This is your host, Tiger, and how are you doing today, co-host Bradley Taylor? I'm doing good. How about you? Pretty good. And I'm excited to see you in person after the recording of this episode. But about the episode itself, today, folks, we will be talking to um, Rob McCarthy. Mr. Rob McCarthy, he is running for a seat in the Texas House of Representatives. And how are you doing today, Rob? Uh, doing great, Tiger. Thanks for having me. Great. Um, I'm glad to help you out a few hours ago with the, the campaign and stuff like that. And Rob, if you don't mind introducing yourself to the audience. Uh, yeah. Uh, my name's Rob McCarthy. I'm the Republican nominee in House District 47, uh, districts in uh, western Travis County, kind of west Austin suburbs. Um, it's uh, I'm running to uh, you know, to end homeless camping in the area, uh, to fully fund uh, law enforcement um, to fix our, uh, our property taxes so we're not paying a, a, a disproportionate amount uh, amount to the state. Um, and it's, it's just to, to represent this district as, uh, as a part of the majority party um, you know, and, and as a voice uh, rather than, than just, uh, just noise in the distance. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of a quick, uh, simple message about uh, about my campaign. Um, it's uh, the district was previously held by a Republican uh, four years ago, a man by the name of uh, Paul Workman was a, a great leader in our state. Um, and so we uh, you know, we lost a seat in the, uh, the 2018 election. Um, and so now it's just uh, it's about getting out there and, and talking to a lot of people. It's um, it's not a, a Democratic district. It's uh, it's a lot of people who were uh, were previously Republican and uh, drifted away. Um, you know, a lot of them were turned off uh, by by Donald Trump um, and uh, just general kind of neg negative partisanship. But it's uh, to, to win this district for me to win this district. It's about building a coalition of. Republicans, uh, independent libertarians, and moderate Democrats, um, and I, I, I think that it, it's a it's a difficult task, but it um, it helps me the the incumbent that I'm running against because I'm running against uh, one of the most liberal Democrats um, in the state. So it's it's easy to to get a, a moderate Democrat uh, back to kind of the common sense uh, approach to governing uh, when I'm I'm running against someone who you know, votes like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be bad for Texas. And Bradley, uh, if you if you have any questions for Rob, you can ask now. Uh, sure. Um, uh, perhaps in a, a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> and so, Rob, there we go, folks. That's Rob McCarthy, his campaign. And sec to the second point, uh, the Texas GOP. I wanted. Originally, I had one in the notes here, almost lost the House. What happened was the Texas Democrats had a plan to take majority, but that ended up not happening since they gained, I think, 12 seats in 2018. And they were planning to get the majority in 2020, but that ended up not happening. Uh, Bradley, do you 
I believe you know something about this, right? The Democrat plan initially in 2020 to take the majority. Uh, yeah, and I know that it worked on their face. Um, and, and the funny thing, they did not pick a single House seat. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they didn't win a single House seat during that election. And our guest folks, we're talking to Rob McCarthy here, uh, State House, Texas House candidate. Uh, Rob, you told me off the air how this came to be. It's just a Democrat plan that didn't work out. Can you elaborate to the audience? Yeah, uh, no problem. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, they they were able to pick up uh, 12 seats in 2018, and House District 47, where I'm running now, was uh, one of those 12. That was, um, there was a pretty big uh, Democratic wave that year uh, with uh, Beto O'Rourke's initial campaign uh, against uh, Ted Cruz, the first time he ran for office and lost. Uh, So then, you know, then we had the presidential election that he lost, and then we're about to see him lose his uh, gubernatorial election. So especially after the stunt he pulled in the conference. So. Oh yeah, who who knows? There will be more crazy stuff he does between now and November. Um, but so yeah, so anyway, so yes, they were able to pick up uh, twelve seats in twenty eighteen, um, and then their what they had talked about, kind of their their large goal was to was to take the majority in the House uh, in twenty twenty, and so then be part of uh, the redistricting. Uh, discussion that would happen in in 2021. And, you know, as uh, Bradley mentioned, they didn't do that. Um, They didn't pick up a single seat. So they were not part of the uh, redistricting discussion. And so now uh, the the redistricting uh, is actually, the districts were drawn in a way that's actually going to make it a, a little more difficult for them. So they're, they're in a position to lose a couple seats um, in this in this next uh, cycle. So right now we've got uh, we have 85 Republicans and 65 Democrats. Um, and so there are um, so, you know, those 85 Republican seats are safe. And so now it's just a matter of kind of how far, uh, you know, how many more are Republicans going to be able to pick up Um you know how far, how high are we going to be able to get that number? And um, and number, you know, there are a couple that are kind of slam dunks that are for sure going to go that way. And when you get when you get to ranking in terms of uh, partisanship, um, you know, there's those 85 that Republicans have. There's a couple they're they're going to win. And if you go a couple more down that list. There is House District 47, where where I'm trying to where I'm trying to p- pick up this seat. So it's um, we are we're just right on the edge, and uh, so it's you know if you look at this it, like in, in this next election, we're, no matter what, we're going to come out of it with a Republican majority. But uh, you know we could be in you know in the area of you know 90 to you know, 95, even 100 Republican seats. And, if you know, if we're able to do, uh, if we're able to be that strong, we would come into the next session really with, you know, the wind at our backs, uh, you know, really able to get a lot done. Awesome. And I, I hope to see more of this red wave. Like, like uh, you mentioned a good point in federal elections that uh, Republicans are favored to take the U.S. House, but not necessarily the U.S. Senate, but it's still worth a shot, at least attempt to. But 
that saved that for another episode, Bradley. But uh, right now we're talking about the Texas legislature, specifically the Texas House. And Bradley, Rob mentioned that uh, state senators do get more staff because their districts are bigger. And state House, yeah, the state House members, not much staff. Now, Bradley, as an intern, former intern for Texas State Rep Biederman, um, have you seen much staff? Uh, no, it was a pretty small staff, honestly. Probably uh, no more than three people or four people. Oh. Uh, and uh, I actually did have a question for uh, Rob here. Um, so with any of those uh, GOP seat flips, uh, how much of those do you think consist of districts located in South Texas? Ooh, um, I'm not sure. Um, there, there could, there could be some, um, I haven't, I haven't looked at a map. I, I can, I have a map in front of me that I can, I can blow up. I'm typically looking at, um, at district, like at just at districts in terms of numbers. And, and if you look at, uh, the district map, uh, the numbers a lot of times don't make sense. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm running in, in 47 and, uh, you know, to my east is, is 48, but to my west is 19. So numbers just don't necessarily mean anything. Uh, and so if I'm looking at, uh, you know, a district ba based on, you know, numbers, then, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily know where it is. Uh, but yes, in, in South Texas, in the, some of those districts where there's a more uh, heavily Hispanic population. Yeah. I think, I think that is where they're, they're predicting uh, some of the, some of the pickup opportunities. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that, that's kind of what I, uh, I was thinking too, because um, uh, as you know, one of the two uh, pickups in the special elections, um, technically a pickup in a way from last year, I believe, uh, was uh, an incumbent, longtime Democrat state rep who switched to the Republican Party. Yes, Ryan Gillian, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. that was one. Yeah, and yeah, I could see why the district's numbers are all like all over the place. Like, like you said, Rob, numbers kind of not not matter. And uh, for example, Jing Wu from Houston, the state rep, Democrat. His district's like 100-something, I forgot. And which, folks, by the way, I possibly had actually considered challenging him in the future. <laughs> but that's for another time. How, uh, Rob, how uh, do you suppose the Republicans Party of Texas will see um, how many seats in this cycle, like, expand the majority, for example? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like I was saying, they've... Uh based on just the way that the lines have been redrawn um they predicted 80 85 that you know that they have but there there are several more that uh that are pickup opportunities so it, it's just a matter of how high are we able to get it you know is it are, are we able to get you know high 80s uh you know into the low 90s um you know or even in, into into the high 90s that would be you know, kind of representative of, you know, re really good uh, election day for us. Yes, it'll be more, um, it'll certainly like energize uh, voters into the, the fall if uh, we, you know, uh, campaign correctly. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, Bradley and I, for Red Wave 
we just had our last 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 week's episode, which is final endorsements for you know candidates around the country. But honestly, folks, uh, local politics matter more because it impacts you matter. Texas House is just the next level from, for example, city council. The Austin City Council is just a, doing a poopy job. And Rob, uh, your platform here is pretty solid. Lower property taxes, safer neighborhoods, and better infrastructure solve the homeless crisis. Uh, what would you what would you do like day one if elected? Um, well, it's so the the homeless crisis has, has really been kind of the the number one uh, number one issue that that voters have, have been uh, been bringing up to me. Um, so it'd be um, it'd be working with, um, you know, working with the leaders in our in our state um, to make sure that, you know, that we're funding programs like uh, like Community First Village. Um, you know, if you've ever ha had an opportunity uh, to get out there and see that uh, they've, you know, they've really got, uh, you know, great programs set up there. And it's um, the, you know, the homeless problem is uh, uh, the Austin Police Department uh, put it really, really well that, you know, that when you talk about the homeless community, it's not really one community, it's really, uh, you know, four different, uh, different groups. Um, there's, uh, the, the group with mental illness, um, the, uh, substance dependent, um, the, uh, um, the group, you know, truly facing some sort of, uh, you know, financially desperate, uh, situation, you know, they've had some kind of, you know, catastrophic, uh, illness or job loss. Um, and then finally there, there's a group among them, uh, that's, uh, that's choosing the lifestyle, um, and so with those, uh, with those first three groups, um, you know, they, they do need some assistance, but if they're able to, uh, you know, if they're, if they're able to be helped in, into this, uh, into this program, um, you know, they can, the community first village is somewhere where they can, you know, where they, they can live responsibly and be part of a community, um, you know, with the, the group that's truly facing, uh, you know, financial desperation. I mean, if there's something that can just help them uh, get back on their feet, um, then that's that that's uh, that's somewhere where, where you can help uh, help that group be successful. And then with that with that group that's choosing the lifestyle, uh, you know, if if we just you know if we enforce the existing camping ban and just we can get them get them off the street, and if they're going to choose the lifestyle, they can. They don't have to choose it in Austin, um, and so that's that's something that I'd that I'd really like to take a stand on um, on the the first, uh, you know, the first day in office, um, and then uh, on uh, on property tax reform. Um, that's another issue that really gets brought up uh, all the time. Uh, in conversations around uh, District 47, and there's just a lot of frustration here with uh, with the Robin Hood recapture and the way that that a large portion of our property taxes are sent to uh, other areas of the state. And something that really really hit people close to home, uh, where I live uh, here in uh, in Circle C, was that uh, all. Our, our kids out here go to uh, Bowie High School, and uh, Bowie High School had some uh, some pipe damage uh, during the freeze uh, last year, 
and it really didn't surface uh, till later in 2021, the, the extent of the damage. So there was a period where kids at Bowie High School uh, didn't have water on campus and were forced to use porta potties. And a couple weeks after that started happening was when the article came out, uh, all the all the different, uh, all, like all the articles came out in all the different uh, Austin area publications about the $710 million being sent by Austin ISD to recapture. And so these frustrated parents are, are asking, why is it that we're sending $710 million to the state to be sent to other places when our kids are literally using porta potties? So that was frustrating. Um, and so that that's something that that as there there is talk about reforming property tax, and so that that's a reform that I would have to be a part of, and would have to make sure that something happened. And if it didn't, um, you know, if if I won the election and if that did not happen, I'm I'm sure I would lose uh, the the next election because people would throw me out because they would think that. You know that I was no good for them if I couldn't get you know that most basic uh, justice for them. Those are certainly very local issue, folks, that affect uh, here in Austin, for example, with the homelessness and the property uh, issues, stuff like that. And Rob, you said that uh, okay, you also mentioned for that the um, the district that you're running in. It's former Republicans, of course. I get it turned off by Donald Trump's rhetoric, but um, are they like, how many of them would you say um, change to the Democratic Party or remain independents? Well, it's it's a little difficult to say. Um, so that that was something that I that I tried to put together to answer because it's it's hard to get vote history of a district that didn't exist until October of last year. Um, so the way that I, that I was able to find voter history of the district was uh, just by going to the precinct data um, that's, that's online. So uh, there's vote history for all 36 precincts that were designed uh, after the, the 2010 census. And the vote history of all those precincts is, is available online. So I put together um, that in the precincts that now make up the 47th district, um, they voted, uh, you know, about 57% uh, voted Democrat in the down ballot races um, in these last elections. And so that's why now they're saying that the district is 57, 58% Democrat. But if you look historically back in 2014, 54% of the district was voting Republican. So this is not a, a district of, you know, big democratic socialist population. And they talk about, oh, well, the demographics of the districts have, have changed since, uh, you know, since that time. And it's only been a few years. The demographics have not changed that much. And yes, there are people moving here from out of state, and some of the Californians and New Yorkers who are moving here uh, are people who are Democrats and who are always going to be Democrats and nothing can change their mind. 
Uh, but some of those are Californians uh, like me who are frustrated with their home state and want to make sure that that Texas stays a good place to live and a good place to raise a family and a good place to grow a business. And um, so that's, uh, you know, it, it's been just getting out and, you know, finding that, like finding that population and making sure that I can get, you know, those, those 54%, uh, making sure I can get them to come out to vote. Awesome. Interesting uh, stats there. And I could see your point and um, hard to get data from district that wasn't created until a later census, like say, I guess the 2020 census, you know, every 10 years and so-and-so. And, uh, and folks, Rob McCarthy, everyone, we're speaking to um, an awesome guy. He's running for the, the Texas House uh, District, District 47, to try to unseat the incumbent, Vicki Goodwin, a very liberal and, I guess, you said Bernie Sanders type Democrat. And uh, Bradley, do you have any further questions for Mr. Rob McCarthy? Yeah, <clears throat> yes, I do, actually. Um, uh, Rob, do you think that, um, um, you know, in, in recent years, well, I, I guess it's been slowly going on for about two decades of uh, Texas becoming the Austin area becoming the next like Silicon Valley. And in fact, I even think it's nicknamed the Silicon Hills. Um, do you think with all the people like uh, coming over to Austin, like from the West Coast or the Northeast from liberal areas and people who, no, I'm not saying all of them, but it's, it would seem that most people who work in that sector of the economy of the, the tech industry have a very liberal leanings. Um, do you think by incentivizing like those kind of jobs to come here will uh, help turn the state become more Democrat. It's possible. There, um, so a, a conversation that that I've had, and it's it, it was shocking the first time, and but I've probably had it about twenty or thirty times. Um, It'll, it'll be conversations like that about people, some of them, some of them working in tech, but it's people from, you know, from the Northeast and from California uh, coming to Texas and they, you know, they, they meet me and they'll talk to me and then it's, oh, okay, you're, you're the Republican nominee. Well, I'm, I'm not going to vote for you. I'm a Democrat. It's like, oh, okay, well, what, like, wh why are you a Democrat? You know, help, help me explain. I mean, because, you know, help, help me understand because in, in this district, I've got to talk to Democrats because I I need votes of Democrats, and so they'll say, "Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a Democrat. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a, you know, I'm I'm liberal on a lot of issues, and I, you know, I'm originally from California. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to vote vote for a Republican. It's like, okay, well, why? Like, you know, it sounds like you had every, everything you wanted. What? Why'd you leave California? What? What brought you here? It was like, well. I moved here because, you know, because of cost of living, I couldn't afford to buy a house there. So I wanted to move here. And so it's okay, you're, you want to vote for democratic policies that raise the cost of living, but you left the democratic state where you are from because of high cost of living. So it's frustrating that they can't see the connection on stuff like that. Um, but 
you know, a, a problem that that we have uh, trying to reach out to to voters is, uh, you know, that we can talk about, you know, fiscal responsibility and, uh, you know, ways to, to lower property taxes and, uh, you know, the economic benefits of, you know, of not having an income tax and, you know, the draw that that will continue to be um, because, you know, because make no mistake, Texas Democrats, if they take power, want an income tax. They, they want to do all kinds of new spending programs, and there's no way to do them with, without an income tax. That's their only way they can get there. Um, and so, you know, so we, we talk about as, you know, as Republicans, all these things about fiscal responsibility, but when we have Republicans out there talking about how rape victims need to be forced to have the baby, then that kind of ends the discussion with a lot of, uh, you know, with a lot of people who are middle of the road and that like. And that is something that I think we will continue to run into and that will, you know, will make us lose elections with those types. And, uh, you know, in, eventually it, it will it will threaten the, you know, a Texas majority, not, you know, not in this next election, but in years from now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank, uh, thank you for, for your answer. Okay, um, I, I'm, I guess I'm glad, uh, Bradley, that he answered your question. And we're kind of uh, a bit up against the clock here, short on time, almost to the max recording limit. But for the remainder of the five minutes, Brett, uh, Rob, you are the one of you were one of the original founders of the Austin Young Republicans. You know, I'm glad I found that group because I'm kind of sick of hanging out with the Travis County GOP boomers and Gen Xers. <laughs> No, no offense to their age. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm glad I've. My point is, I'm glad I found people my age to, you know, get involved politically. Like, okay, what is your message to, you know, young people? Um, yeah, young Republicans has been great. It's a great way to get involved. Great way to meet a lot of, a uh, lot of like-minded people. You know, like you said, like-minded people your own age. Um, and it's, it's great. There's a lot of opportunities for, you know, for leadership and those kinds of experiences. Um, and there's a constant, uh, there's a constant turnover, uh, because there are, there are term limits. There's, there's an age cap. I will, I'm about to get kicked out of the organization. I will turn 40 in October. So, uh, I, so technically I think you get to stay into your 41. So I'm technically around for another year, but, uh, you know, I'm on my way out. Um, but yes, it's a great way to get involved. Um, and, uh, you know, I met a lot of great people, uh, you know, in our, uh, you know, in the Austin area through, through the group. So yeah, really, uh, really happy about, uh, you know, about refounding it, uh, you know, with, with those guys, uh, gosh, that was just, uh, it was just four years ago that we did that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a bummer when I'm, when I'm no longer a member, but, uh, you know, the organization will, will continue to continue to grow strong. And I, I think it'll continue to be around. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd like my daughter uh, to one day be, uh, you know, be president of the organization. Uh, she just turned uh, three years old. Uh, so got a little bit of time. But, you know, I'd like to, you know, make a campaign pitch for her right now. 
So awesome. <laughs> preemptive endorsement. Okay. That's awesome. Family <laughs> endorsement. Now, um, Bradley, there you go. Uh, you and I, as we know, folks, uh, I got political experience. So does Bradley. I was a communications director with Turning Point USA, this other gorg. But uh, I'm focused more on not activism, but more in the, the party politics, the Republican Party itself. And I see Austin Young Republicans as a as a foot in the door, essentially. So I thank you, Rob, for founding that group way back in four years ago. And Bradley, you also had political experience, as we all know, you know, the group Young Conservatives of Texas. So there you go, Bradley, if you want to get involved in like statewide politics, there's your opportunity, the Young Republicans groups, whether it's in Austin, San Antonio, wherever. There you go, Bradley. Right. Okay, we're about out of time here. Thank you for your time, Rob. And thank you for your time too, co-host Bradley, on this um, awesome day. Absolutely. And uh, Rob, it was uh, great listening to you and your, uh, your insights and uh, your knowledge of uh, the current political state of Texas. Indeed. Yeah, it was great, guys. Th thanks a lot for having me. Mm -hmm, for sure. Now, folks, I will do for this week's episode. Next week, I forgot the topic, but it will come around. So uh, I, I, we will talk to y'all uh, next week. So take care, folks. Later, y'all. We, the people of the United States, to form a more perfect union, secure the blessings of liberty, establish the Constitution.